0: Well, welcome to what a crime to be alive i'm carly
1: and this is pinky
0: and today we are a little bit late imagine that <laughs> <laughs> um i have been a little bit under the weather so we are doing this remotely um pinky is in her bed and i am at the dining room table
1: <laughs> why you gotta snitch
0: <laughs> um But this episode is going to be a little bit different from what we usually do. Because of the New Year holiday, we wanted to um, kind of make it a little bit different. And we have three stories all in one episode that take place on either New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, but in different locations and different years. We're going to do our best to include all the details that are relevant, but also make each story short so that we are are able to fit all three stories into this one episode. We were off last week for Christmas, but we hope that you guys had a relaxing weekend with your loved ones like we did. And we're ready to get back into the swing of things, consistently posting new episodes every week. So without further ado, these are the New Year's stories that we have for you today. First, the Hatfields and McCoys. Um, this is a pretty well-known feud, especially around the Appalachian region where we are. Um, we, I have heard a lot about it, but I didn't really know the details. Um, I just knew that the two bloodlines were enemies. Um, the Herald-Dispatch reported that the longtime feud began between Joseph Hatfield of West Virginia and William McCoy of Kentucky around the late 1700s when the two men fought over who owned two razorback pigs. The families continued to not like each other over many other differences they encountered. In 1888, on New Year's Day, the Hatfields stormed the McCoys' land and opened fire. This feud led to the death of Alifair McCoy and her son Calvin. In addition, the Hatfield set fire to the McCoy land and destroyed the cabin where they lived. According to the History Channel, Randolph McCoy was able to escape the cabin without injury, but nine Hatfield members were arrested a few days later by a bounty hunter. The trial for this brutal attack started in 1889 and ended with eight Hatfield family members receiving life sentences, and Ellison Mounts, who was Ellison Hatfield's son, being sentenced to death. Ellison's last words before being publicly executed on February 18th, 1890 were, quote, they made me do it. The Hatfields made me do it.
1: The last time we recorded, I mentioned wanting to like highlight pop culture, pop culture references um, for some of the stories that we discuss and like Carly said, when it comes to the Hatfields and McCoys, um, it's pretty well known throughout history, um, throughout pop culture. I've heard it referenced in probably, I don't know how many, but several, several songs, whether it be like rap or rock. Um, I know there was a mini series a few years ago and it starred Kevin Costner and Bill Paxton. And it was about the Hatfields and McCoys. And most recently there was a show called Justified on FX and it wasn't based on the Hatfields and McCoys, but it was based in like rural eastern Kentucky. And there were some similar themes. So you can kind of say it was like inspired by. So that's one of the ones that when it comes to pop culture, it's pretty well known and it's referenced a lot. The next one we are going to cover um Scott Kalogi. This is based on a family massacre in New Jersey in 2017. So on New Year's Eve in 2017 tragedy struck a happy, close-knit New Jersey family. According to the Denver Post, the Kologi family were not strangers to hardship, as Stephen and Linda filed bankruptcy several years earlier, but persevered to happier times. They had four children together, and 18-year-old Brittany just finished her first semester at college. Things changed on December 31st when 16-year-old Scott gunned down his parents, sister Brittany and family friend, Mary Schultz. Per nj.com and family friend, Veronica Mass, Scott shared the same story as a lot of child killers. He was the victim of bullying and also had a learning disability, which resulted in bad grades. Scott's brother and grandfather were also in the home during the shooting, but were able to safely escape. Neighbors initially heard the gunshots thinking they were fireworks, but then they called the police. Other neighbors described Scott as a nonviolent kid who was usually smiling and telling jokes. But once the investigation began, we learned a little more about Scott. The Asbury Park Press revealed that Scott had been experiencing hallucinations for most of his life and had spent the year prior to the shooting planning on doing something harmful to his family. That tragic night, he used his brother's ak 47 to shoot his mother five to seven times in the torso and chest area, his father in the back, his grandfather's girlfriend four times, and his sister three times in the head and chest area. Scott told investigators that he planned on going outside to continue shooting up the neighborhood, specifically a neighbor who allegedly bullied him when he was younger. Scott told Detective Andrea Tazi that he stopped shooting once he saw his grandfather's reaction, um, Basically, his grandfather was heartbroken over losing Mary. Mary Schultz was his girlfriend. And he said he saw his grandfather kind of like collapse to his knees and start crying. And just like the disbelief that overcame his grandfather, he felt like that kind of snapped him out of like the shooting frenzy he was in. Andrea Tazi claims that Scott also spoke highly of his parents, saying he loved them and thought it was strange that his actions resulting in their deaths didn't affect him. During the interviews, he told Tazi and other detectives that he had no friends and slept with his parents. He didn't know how to use a gun, so he watched YouTube videos as a guide once he started feeling emotionally detached from everyone. And he insisted that he belongs in a mental institution. Before we wrap up the story, I want to share a brief clip of family friend Jalen Wells remembering the Kologi family. His mom would take care of him, I guess because he did need help with certain things, I guess, but he he was always coherent. Like, he was talking, understanding what we were saying. He didn't even go to, like, public school or Long Branch, because I know he went to, like, I don't know if he got homeschooled to, like, a special school or something. I remember the dad a little bit, because he did he, like, helped with baseball and stuff, like, around the town. In high school, we were friends, and we all had the same friends. You know, we would all hang out occasionally. Like I said, we would hang out there sometimes. I know most of the people around here, know everyone in Long Branch, basically. And to hear something like this, it's just crazy. Just looking at it like I've been through that door a lot of times. It's crazy. In 2020, Scott Kologi was indicted on four counts of first-degree murder and one count of second-degree possession of a weapon for an unlawful purpose.
0: So our last story is... I had never heard about this and it's, we don't typically do, not for any reason, like we don't do any, um, usually any cases that are outside of the U S. Um, just because I'm not very familiar with areas. Um, and a few in much. the UK. Yeah.
1: But I'll let Carly tell you, but I think for this one, like specifically, this is a great reason why we don't do them. And it's not because like Carly said, it's not because like, we don't want to cover them or it's like, kind of like um, a cultural barrier when it comes to pronouncing certain things and names and areas and nobody just wants to be like disrespectful, but we're still going to try.
0: So on New Year's Eve in 2016, the Reina nightclub in Istanbul, Turkey was packed, like 700 people packed, according to BBC News. Everyone was very excited for 2017, as this was a terrible year for most Turkey had fell victim to many terrorist attacks and undergone an entire year of violence led by their president. But shortly after the ball dropped and everyone felt some sort of relief that the past year was behind them. It only got worse. According to the New York times at one o'clock, just one hour after the year changed an armed shooter walked up to the arena nightclub and shot an innocent bystander that was standing outside of the building. The shooter then turned to the police officer that was also standing outside of the nightclub and fatally shot him as well. This made it very easy for the shooter to enter the nightclub and open fire. The shooter wasn't targeting anyone in particular, but just shooting as many people as he could. As soon as the nightclub goers realized what was happening, everyone tried to escape as quickly as they could. According to CNN News, many people jumped into the absolute frigid Bosphorus waters, which is a strait in Istanbul, just to get away. However, many people were not as lucky to get away. After shooting of the nightclub, the shooter fled before police arrived. According to BBC News, 39 people were murdered and 79 people were injured. It was also reported that of the 39 fatalities, 25 of those were out-of-country individuals. Mm -hmm. At first, authorities weren't sure who the attacker was, and there weren't really any leads except for one. ISIS claimed this attack. CNN reported that to be safe, authorities arrested 20 of the alleged ISIS attackers, but found that those individuals were not responsible for the brutal nightclub attack. No more leads were reported until three days after the attack, when authorities released that they had a suspect in custody and released a selfie video of the suspect. The video that they released, per CNN, was a selfie video taken by the suspect at a nearby market right before the shooting occurred, and it was posted on a pro-ISIS Telegram account. Authorities finally released information on the suspect.
1: Abdul Qadir Masharipov.
0: According to BBC News, he was from the Central Asian Republic of Uzbekistan, but moved to Konya, Turkey in early 2016 with what is believed to be his wife and two children. The suspect was believed to also go by the name
1: Ibu Muhammad Khorisani
0: and was suspected to have arrived in Istanbul again with his wife and two children on December 15th. After tracking the selfie video found on the pro-ISIS telegram account, authorities were able to find the suspect, his four-year-old son, and three women at a friend's house in
1: Kurgs, Masharipov,
0: was sentenced to 40 life sentences and 1,368 years for the 39 murders, 79 attempted murders, and for not being licensed to carry a weapon. In addition, the BBC says that
1: Ilmaz Mamasaripov
0: was sentenced to 1,400 years for helping the suspect plan the shooting.
1: So, as you can see, um, that's that's why we <laughs> shy away from um, a lot of crimes that are overseas. If there's like a super popular one, we'll try our best in the future, but yeah. Um, Even with research, there's still certain things like you're not 100% sure if you're pronouncing it correctly or, you know, you're putting emphasis emphasis on the wrong syllable and stuff. So apologies if we just, you know, obliterated somebody's name.
0: The crime of the week comes from Newser.com and I'm just going to read directly from Newser. Um, It says a manager with New York's Metropolitan Transportation Authority is either very lonely during his commutes or very sneaky. The New York Post has several photos it captured Wednesday of Julio de Virgilio, an ex NYPD cop and now general superintendent for the MTA's buses division, arriving to work in Brooklyn in his Kia Telluride with a blow up doll in the passenger seat. The doll appears to be a version of a $16 inflatable called quote carpool Kenny promoted as being an extra passenger for the HOV lane, which typically requires two or more people in a vehicle. <laughs> De Virgilio, who's said to have been an MTA employee for more than 10 years told the post, he doesn't use the doll to get around HOV requirements instead <laughs> Are you laughing cuz I almost said HOV?
1: No. no. <laughs> um,
0: he doesn't use the doll to get around HOV requirements instead insisting that Kenny is quote for the company. He stuck to the narrative that even after the paper kept pushing him on it, quote, have I ever lied to you? he asked. The answer to that may come from the MTA which says it is investigating
1: using a I feel like he isn't the first to do this yeah I think I've seen stuff about this before particularly where I used to work in like well I say it like it's been so long ago um I worked in transportation engineering up until a couple of days ago and I've seen stuff like that not not from the engineer side but basically in order for people to try to get around those requirements. <laughs> they put dummies in the seat. <laughs> that's But that takes wild. a lot of effort and why do you why do you just have like an extra dummy or mannequin <laughs> hanging around like strange.
0: Yeah, that's crazy.
1: Well, yeah, I think that's it.
0: Yeah, I think that's all we have for today. Um like I said, we're going to get into the swing of things posting things um posting episodes every Friday now. Um Pinky just started her new job so we may be a little bit backed up um to begin but yeah it i have no ch-
1: idea how that's gonna go but it shouldn't <laughs> be bad
0: yeah so we will just keep you guys in the loop um we hope you had a great christmas and a happy new year um and if you don't have anything then i think that's it
1: that's it Hola, baby flamingo